Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Amen means so be it. Tell somebody before you're seated, say, Jesus is my peace. Amen. He is my peace. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Well, for the last few weeks, we have had our children in with us, and today uh, started back up the, um, the children. And um, uh, the I gotta find my notes, <laughs> honey. He's so smart. Okay, here we are. Praise the Lord. Can we all just pray? Reach your hands out towards me. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, no, really. <laughs> uh, anyway, the kids are back in children's church again today. Rayma kids, but. Um, some of our children's workers, Vincent and Danielle, they're a lovely couple, and they've got some gorgeous kids. Anyway, um, two Sundays ago, I, I saw those little kids about out in here, and um, one little girl, the littlest one, she said, I got healed. I said, you did? She said, yeah, my neck hurt so bad, I couldn't, I couldn't hardly even uh, stand up. It was hurting so bad. And I said, well, what happened? She said, my dad laid hands on me, and it was immediately healed. I said, oh, praise the Lord. And then the other little girl, she said, I got healed too. I said, well, what happened to you? She said, well, I was throwing up. She said, my stomach hurt so bad, and my, my mom had to carry me to the bathroom. You know, I, she said, I couldn't even walk. But she said, I wanted to come to church. She came to church, and while she was just sitting in church, Jesus healed her. You know, when Jesus is in the house, everything gets better. Amen? All right. Well, today is a good day. Uh, if you go ahead and just put up, last week was Australia Day. And um, I must confess that it was for the first time since we've lived in this great country that I have um, understood what Australia Day was. <laughs> and uh, it, it better than before. It wasn't just, um, you know... Um, just time for partying. But in looking back for what happened on that day and what is commemorated, uh, this island, this massive island, is here for great divine and prophetic purpose in God. And we are blessed, all of us are blessed to live here. It's a great country. It has many wonderful things, and Tony just found out it is per capita the wealthiest, city, uh, wealthiest country in the world, even though there is poverty. It is an amazing country with many benefits, and um, we find ourselves here in this country as uh, citizens, some raised here, some immigrating here, as I and my husband and the children had, have done. And, uh, but there is another identity that we carry along with being Australian, and that is that we are citizens of a great place. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. So 
all of us that are born again in this room that carries citizenship with Australia actually have dual citizenship. And so we are, uh, we are citizens of this country, but as children of the living God, we also have a great place and a great responsibility to this country. And so today, uh, I'd like us to look at some things. Um, and if you'll look in your Bible, uh, we're going to look at, I, at um, 1 Timothy, the second chapter. And the second verse. Let's pick up, let's actually pick up with the first verse. And actually, I cannot find my notes yet. So you're going to just see how wonderful this is coming out of my heart. <laughs> first Timothy, the first chapter, or the second chapter in the first verse. Let's read it. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Verse 2, I urge you to pray this way for kings and for all who are in authority so that we can live peacefully and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Verse 3, this is good and acceptable, and it pleases God our Savior. Verse 4, who wants everyone to be saved. Can we say that? Everyone to be saved. Say it again. Everyone to be saved. What is the will of God? He wants everyone to be saved, and the price necessary for people's salvation has already been paid by the blood of Jesus. He wants everyone to be saved, and... Even beyond that, he wants them to understand the truth after they become born again. Now look at verse 5. There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. This word reconciliation. There is one who can bring man together with God, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Verse 6. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And this is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Is there another one? The, and then uh, we'll read this perhaps. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, we have in this verse of scripture a divine recipe of what we can do to participate with God's desire and will, and that is to pray for all men. But it doesn't just stop there. It says to pray for all who are in authority. So today, uh, we're looking at our support as believers, as Christians, for the country that we live in, in, in Australia. And some Sundays ago, we talked about the subject of prayer and our responsibility, and even uh, the ability and the empowerment that God has given us to pray for our country and the impact that it makes. Instead of, as children of God, being impacted by our country, he has actually intentionally placed his children and his, be in his uh, followers in countries to actually impact that country. 
one of the best ways, the first way that we impact the country, influence the country that we live in is to pray. And so um, we do so. We have a, um, a prayer strategy that we've been doing now for several weeks. It's called 646. Uh, we pray at 6 in the morning or 6 at night for 6 minutes on up to 60 minutes. But you don't just have to pray only then. But it is important if we want the influence of God to the leaders of this country, the people of this country, God needs us. Isn't that amazing that God actually needs something? But he is limited by our prayers. We pray little, it enlists his intervention in a little way. If we pray much, it opens up a door of his intervention uh, in this nation. How much, how, how much intervention of God do we want in Australia? Yeah, so we're wanting to open up wide. So in, in 2019, we're going to have an increase of interaction from God to Australia. Can you believe that? We're going to see some amazing things, but it's not just going to, um, uh, it's not just going to happen by accident. It's going to happen because God is working together with his people here in prayer. And so that is our first responsibility is to pray and to pray consistently and to pray urgently and pray in according to the word of God, not motivated by fear or anger, but motivated by the promises of God. Amen. Uh, but there is, uh, there is more that we can do after we pray. There is more to be done after we pray. Jesus said in, in Matthew, the fifth chapter, he called us, he identified us, um, his children, uh, Christians, are salt and light. It's an important thing to have salt in your cupboard. But salt doesn't have or carry out the purpose that it actually is until it is uh, sprinkled on the food. And so it is with us as believers. We actually, uh, we come together in this place like a salt shaker and, and like a, um, a storehouse full of lights. But our purpose is not just in this room. We come to this place it's come to our come to church, come to Father's table, a common table together, to be reminded in, and encouraged and empowered to do what we're called to do, which is actually outside the church. And so the purpose of salt is to come in contact uh, with the people in this world. And so today um, there is somebody that I would like to share this the rest of this. Um, time of sharing with you who is, I really believe, called of God and gifted in the Lord to explain and to help us as a, as a church family to know what more we can do after we've prayed. Because there is more that we can do after we say amen. And so um, David Pello uh, and his family are members of our church, and David, um, on occasion, um, he leads us in prayer on our Pray for Australia Sundays, and we appreciate him. But he engages in, um, in a lot of political arenas, even though he's not running for office. 
he actually engages in that in that political arena and he has a a blog he has that you may have uh, seen and um, it's really good it's and then he also has coming up a church and state summit and I'll let him tell about that and there is some really rich, rich truths that are shared along that line. I have asked David to come and um, to just um, share together with you. I have some questions to ask him so that we can get a grip. And David, if you'll come and if you'll just give him a hand. The first thing that I want to, uh, for us to address is this. In our church family, um, we have a beautiful diversity. We have a diversity in age, and we have a diversity in nationality, and different walks of life. You just look across, and it's really a beautiful, it's a beautiful look. And I think it gives a wonderful example of what God was looking for when the blood of Jesus redeemed all people. Mm. Not only do, are those diversities um, represented in our church, but actually there are different people. There are different political views. Mm. And uh, what we love is that everyone from uh, with any kind of political view can come and eat at the same table. And everyone has equal access to the table of God. Right. And there is, no, uh, there is no bias or no prejudice against any um, political party or political opinion. All right? But uh, I'd like you to just speak about that because uh, I know in, uh, there's been two or three occasions when there's been some things... David sends some of his articles by Tony and I to read. And there's been some times when I'd say, David, I don't know, I'd, I don't quite agree with you on that. And he has gotten so mad that he just hollers over the phone. Sure. No. <laughs> he doesn't. So we've had disagreements before. Yeah. And um, there's been some times after I've heard what you had to say, I thought, actually, I'm kind of seeing it your way. I see what you're saying now. I had to kind of listen, and then I, and when I listened, I saw it. But then I'd like to think that there's been a couple occasions. Absolutely. <laughs> that uh, that you saw it from my angle. Yeah. Talk to us about diversity before we do anything else. Before we talk about uh, this area. Well, even on that ability to disagree. Um, one of my guiding lights is a scripture in Proverbs, just for my whole life, not just politics, but every area of my life. Um, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You don't want someone who's going to tell you what you want to hear. Uh, sometimes you need someone who you trust loves you and is willing to correct you out of that love. And that's, that's what the body of Christ should be. If we're disagreeing, yeah. like, heaven forbid I persist in ignorance if I'm wrong. What I want is truth. When there's disagreement, it's not me versus you. No. It's us in pursuit of truth. And that is our role um, in this world, um, to 
to be salt and light and to be able to reveal and illuminate truth, not just for each other or for ourselves, but for our neighbours, because there are 25 million neighbours in Australia who need a loving friend to illuminate reality for them. And there's a lot of um, ignorance of reality. Science doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, different things. So with, with diversity of political opinion, uh, we have to figure out what isn't negotiable, and that is the Word of God. As Christians, um, it's okay if going through the Word of God and through the Lordship of Jesus and through His priorities for our nation and ourselves, then we end up with disagreement. Um, Ravi Zacharias is someone who beautifully explains the differences that can be in the body of Christ with the phrase, unity does not require uniformity. We're still one body, and sometimes we'll have different things that motivate us. Um, we may have a different opinion on exactly the right number and method that people should immigrate to Australia. Um, but it would be wrong of me to presume that you disagree with me because you're a bad person and don't love God, and vice versa. It would be wrong of you to presume I've arrived at my conclusion with bad motives. Um, but instead, we can actually survey each other and discuss and, and debate in a way to figure out if there's some room for better understanding. What, what is it exactly that concerns you, which leads you to your position? Yeah. And can I share with you why I think that could actually be hurting the people that we both want to love? Um, and so that, if we just make room for that fact that there's diversity, yeah. um, there is we can put diversity. aside all yeah. offence we can put aside all division, yeah. um, we can put aside all party politics, and our loyalty can be to the author of truth, and, and he then becomes our lens and our filter. And one of, another one of my favourite sayings is, uh, in essentials, um, unity, yeah. in non-essentials, liberty, and say, in say all things, again. charity. Oh, that's good. Say it again. In essentials, unity. So there are some things that are not negotiable in the Word of God. For example, the definition of marriage. Um, there are some things that are negotiable in the Word of God. For example, how many immigrants should we be taking into Australia each year? So in those things, we want uh, liberty. It's okay to disagree. And in all things, we want charity. If we disagree, we still love each other. It's not going to bust us. Yeah. Um, I think as long as we know the... Um that I like that, that it isn't uniformity. Mm. It, is, it is unity. And then it is also us as Christians um, representing Jesus. That's right. We're not representing a party. No. We're not called to represent a party. We're called to represent Jesus. Um, I know uh, just a little bit ago we reached our hands out and, and prayed for um, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, but, uh, and that was the first opportunity, I think it was the first occasion that we've ever done it really quite like that. But mm. there have been other, other uh, politicians that we may not have agreed with, and yet we do not withhold our prayer. No. In the same way, you know, we don't disagree with one another, or I mean, we don't uh, become uncharitable with one another. Mm. Neither do we, as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, withhold our prayer and are asking the Lord for his help and his blessing, mm. 
even if somebody is completely different from us in our political view. Even if their policies are evil. Yeah. But like, would that verse have not applied to people in 1940s Germany? No, it's okay, you don't have to pray for Hitler. Of course, you still had to pray for your leader. That, that word does not change depending on the context or well, the Well, Nero was actually uh, the, um, the leader when Paul wrote that. Yeah, the, the whole Roman was Empire terrible. was oppressive yeah. and cruel. It wasn't until the fourth century that Christianity became legal. Yeah. Uh, and, but all through that time, you had to pray for people who were banning your love for God. Yes. Talk, of us, talk to us about um, some essentials. Essentials. Look, uh, one of the things I think we should do as Christians um, is every election, put aside whatever affection we might have for a person or a party and declare that we are undecided voters as far as parties go. Um, we have no... Our first and eternal loyalty is to the kingdom of God as citizens of the city of God um, and servants of Jesus. Our loyalty is first and foremost to him. Then if a candidate can line up with our loyalty to God, then we can support a candidate. Uh, and sometimes we might have to reverse calculate it and just put them in order from you know worst to least bad um, if there's nobody that's genuinely righteous. Um, and, and so you've still got a first vote. Um, and it's worth noting that you actually need to compare their policies, not, not just participate. You might have heard the word identity politics. Don't think somebody has a particular value system because they share your identity. Um, in some previous prime ministers, we had an atheist who declared herself an atheist who, while in office, defended the definition of marriage in agreement with God. That is a policy we can agree with. But later on, uh, we had a, a prime minister who called himself a Christian and took lots of photo opportunities outside church every week, and he eventually, in office, opposed the biblical definition of marriage. Just identifying the Christians isn't enough. So we have to figure out what is the things Jesus would vote for if he was in my electorate, if he was filling out my ballot paper, and he had these candidates to choose from, what would be the issues that would upset him the most? Um, Bob Pierce is a pastor who, or a missionary evangelist person, he started World Vision mm -hmm. and Samaritan's Purse, two charities you may have heard of. World Vision's huge. Um, and among other things, he accomplished a lot, but in the flyleaf of his Bible, he wrote this prayer. May the things that break God's heart break my heart. That's a good prayer. So that's probably a good prayer to take to your election. What are the things, God, in the federal election coming up in May, what are the things that are going to break your heart? Or the next state election that we have, what breaks God's heart? Um, and it probably won't be the things that the mainstream media and the political parties are telling us are the main issues. It might be something else, something that doesn't get talked about a lot. So it's really easy to look at Scripture and see what God created. God created the planet. We have to be good stewards of that. Um, but what God created was us, life, every single human being in his image. Um, there's a, a concept in doctrine, uh, theology, Christian doctrine and legal doctrine called imago dei, which means we are all, as living humans, bearers of the image of God. Uh, that's a very sacred thing, and that's a non-negotiable, essential doctrine 
that there's no room for disagreement on if you claim to be looking at issues through the lens of Scripture. That's the sanctity of life. Every human life is worth defending at every stage. Now, if there's one candidate who supports that concept and none of the others do, I don't even think you need to ask any other issues. It's like slavery. Like, that's a violation of Imago Dei, saying that some person is disposable property that you can treat how you want. That's a violation of Scripture. Some Christians actually attempted to use Scripture to justify slavery, and they were very, very wrong. And it's not even an election issue anymore, because Christians made it an election issue until it was career suicide for a politician to be pro-slavery. And that's the way it should be. It was, his name was William Wilberforce, if you haven't heard of this story before. And he wasn't alone. He wasn't just a Christian politician. He had congregations, churches, people like us, who would hand out flyers on election day and, and sign petitions and lobby um, people. And it took a decade, a decade of non-stop work by Christians concerned for their neighbours in the global slave trade who said, I love my neighbour and I will not stand by while this injustice and oppression happens anymore. I don't care about my pocket, I don't care about the other issues, this must change. And they impacted the world forever. There was a, um, a, a phrase in one of Andy's songs that we sang today, it says, uh, I don't live for myself, but I live for Jesus. Mm. And I was just looking at the verse of Scripture where that was taken from in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And it talks about uh, that now he that died for all of us and gave us life, we live our life for him and not just for ourselves. I think this is a little bit ap applicable because um, there are some people that are more politically wired or curious or mm. aware and really, really involved. And then there's others that just really don't want to be bothered by it and, mm. um, and just roll up for what is required in the vote. A as far as Christian responsibility, talk to us about Christian responsibility. Now, see, you're really involved. Yeah. Okay, you're in the deep end of the pool. Yeah. But what about somebody who just is like, huh, you know, and I'm not really interested in the news. It's always so bad. Can you just give some practical things to help that person identify our responsibility mm. to our nation? Sure. Um, we live in a pluralistic, inclusive democracy. That means multiple worldviews are allowed. You don't have to be communist, you don't have to be atheist, you don't have to be Catholic or Anglican or church. We've got immense opportunity. And with opportunity, gift comes responsibility, stewardship. We have to do the best thing with this gift that we've been given. And you're probably familiar with um, the story about the wise and foolish stewards of, of gifts, the servants that Jesus, the master, gave gifts to. Um, I think there's probably two main responsibilities that every Christian has. One has to do with being salt and light, and the other has to do with loving your neighbour. So the first thing that we have to do is, is figure out what is our political motivation. I don't live for myself, I live for Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. So what 
out of love for neighbour, which the Bible calls our debt to others, to everybody else, our debt of love, out of love for neighbour, um, what is affecting other people, what is affecting the most people, what are the greatest injustices um, that, that is happening at the moment? This is one of those areas, definitely look into the scripture for yourself and see what's breaking God's heart. But for me, I can probably summarise them as life, family and liberty, as the, the things that God holds sacred. Um, it was... Now, if, if anybody had cause to know what is good for us and to make us do it, it's God. And yet he gave us free will. And, and so I think a righteous society has room for people to be bad, um, to make bad choices. Now, government's job is to protect its citizens, um, so that is government's job, but, you know, the freedom to do and say and believe as you want, as long as it doesn't directly, um, physically hurt anybody else, is a freedom we should afford everybody. So that's, that's liberty for me. Um, the freedom to raise my children with the belief that I want, um, to the, with the values, and to choose how and when I educate them on, on marriage and related issues. Um, that's a very, very important one. Uh, family, of course, we're seeing so many attacks on family through uh, a very varied number of policies. How specific do you want me to be? Yeah, um, these conversations can go on for a long time and probably the really, really healthy thing as a church is to embrace the conversation and just say, let's keep talking. We don't have to reach a conclusion today. Um, I think life is the greatest global injustice, the attack on the sanctity of life um, subsequent to William Wilberforce, subsequent to abolishing the global slave trade. The next thing to abolish is the, the rate at which we kill human lives without care and at either end of the scale. There's a growing, as we become less Christian as a culture, we become more comfortable with killing each other, innocent living people. And of course I'm talking about abortion and euthanasia. Um, and we can get into the weeds on that um, if, you, if you want, but life is sacred in God. That's the number one thing there should be no room for debate on. Uh, every human life is precious and worth defending at every stage. Yeah. You said, you mentioned that this is an election year. We don't want to be a church that just hibernates in here mm. and, and isn't affecting our communities. Um, we work, we go to school, whatever, uh, but we want our Christianity to actually be impacting. Yes. So, uh, you know, we've mentioned, of course, prayer, but um, what are some practical things that we can do in this election year uh, that will actually increase and amplify the voice of what we are, uh, we're, we're desiring to represent Jesus? How can we amplify then the voice of what we believe is his will. How can we do that? Great question. Great question. Um, I was discussing this with a pastor the other day who took a very contrary view. Um, he actually said the church should be apolitical. 
uh, which means not interested in politics at all. No influence, no voice. That's the definition of the word, if you look it up in the dictionary. Uh, we should be non-partisan. Uh, we take Jesus' side. But we, we definitely have a voice in politics, for example, slavery. Um, and I get why pastors want to, some pastors want to be apolitical. Um, it's because the mission is the kingdom of God. The mission yes. is the gospel. The mission is saving people to an eternal destiny. Uh, and I humbly submit we can walk and chew gum at the same time. That we can have a massive impact on the politics of our nation with roughly two to three hours every two to three years. Not a huge ask of anybody's workload. It may mean on election day you don't mow the lawn. Uh, you go and volunteer instead. But here's the supply, the grace that we have in the democracy, which actually has immense value. If you only knew how much value two hours of your time every election uh, on offer to the right candidate can be, you would get a picture of how much pressure and leverage and influence you have let alone when we multiply it by the body of Christ, individually and then corporately. So if you take that two hours and you declare yourself an undecided voter coming up to the federal election, find out who the candidates are in your seats, the people that you will be asked to vote for, the people who will ask you to vote for them. You write an email to them, even if you're pretty sure they're never going to give you a good answer, even if they're from the opposite view to us. Write to them and say, here are the main issues for me. Here's the, if you like, the deal breaker issues. I am an undecided voter and if you represent me, you can earn my vote. They want to earn your vote. Every single politician has one policy that they share and that's let's get elected and re-elected. <laughs> so with that in mind, you have, what they, you have what they want. But more than that, if you say, if you represent me, not only will I vote for you and tell all my friends to vote for you, already you're standing out among everybody else, but I will donate to your campaign as much as I can. I will let you put your sign on my front yard fence, if that's of any value to you. And I will volunteer for you on election day for two hours. Now, if every Christian in every electorate wrote to their candidates and said, if you represent these kingdom issues, these deal-breaker issues, life, liberty, family, then I will vote for you, volunteer for you, and donate to you as I can. I talk to a lot of politicians, and I've never heard one say they wouldn't fall over themselves in a hurry to get a 1,000 volunteers, a 1,000 new donors. Just that little bit of extra effort but even think about this as stewardship. If you've identified, if you've, with an open mind and an open Bible, surveyed every candidate in your electorate and discovered who the best person for your neighbours are is, isn't it better stewardship to not only give them your vote but to help as many other people as possible to make sure that person... Don't just give them your vote, help them get elected. We don't just want you to vote for them, we want them to win when they're the right person. That's good. Now, th for that reason, then, we have, um, uh, we've discussed about this, of how to help our church family to be the most effective and the most influential 
in our representation of Jesus Christ during this election year. And uh, what David shared with you is really practical. It's a, it's, a, it's a really wonderful and practical way to just get out there and, and help the right people get in that represent the kingdom's mm. purposes, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, hey. Yeah, um, definitely. But we also, I told David, and maybe, I don't know if anyone else is on my same page, but sometimes when I've gone to election, I don't know who these people are. I haven't mm. done my whole, it, please make me feel better. Does it, has anybody, and so you You're not just, alone. Most people put more uh, effort into choosing a fridge than a future leader okay, for the nation. Okay, okay, well, there you have it. So, uh, so... So, yeah, I've gone in before, and probably the easy... I'm, I'm just being honest. Yeah. Uh, the easier way was just to do that block voting where you tick the one thing and everybody on that side of the page gets in, you know? I didn't really know. So I asked David if it could, it could be a help, at least to me, to make a, a voting guide uh, where some of these deal-breakers issues are concerned, not on every single living, breathing, uh, you know, issue coming up, but some of these things are really important because sometimes the people supporting those issues are on different sides of the yep. aisle, and I wouldn't know that, and so I asked David if he could just help pull together a, a, like a voting guide, actually, that could just help us to... Uh, as we're getting into this, uh, ideally, all of us become students of, of the right people and the right issues. I said, David, I think more people are on the bottom rung, and that's on the top rung. We need some rungs in between. Is anybody else on my page? So thank you. And so anyway, um, we'll, we'll have that for you, and uh, we'll supply those kind of things. Yep. Also, uh, petitions and different things that come up if you get our email that comes uh, every week, Tony shares um, um, a blog, and then there are different announcements and things. If there are some really key issues that are representing the kingdom mm. of God, we don't put everything in there, but those deal breaker things, we do put those in there. And sometimes they're connected with like petitions and they're connected with with writing letters and yep. stuff like that, so that the the voice of the church doesn't have laryngitis. That we actually are speaking up, not belligerently, not mean-like, mm. and not in our in our effort to stand for what's right, not misrepresenting Jesus. Yeah. You know, we don't want to do that either. But representing what means something to him and representing him in the way that he would. Yeah. I like what you said. You know, How would Jesus vote? It'd be, don't waste your time trying to persuade a politician of your point of view. Look, if you can make a time to have a coffee with them, there's room for a conversation. But if you're just sending them an email to survey where they sit on the deal breaker issues, what will be really persuasive to them isn't an eloquent argument that you do, but when a thousand of us write an email saying, I'm looking for a candidate who will represent the sanctity of life and will promise to vote against it if it comes up in, uh, vote against any violation of that, if it comes up in the next parliament. It's nice, simple, non-argumentative, non-inflammatory, non-belligerent, but if a thousand of us all say that, 
they are listening, I promise you. If there's any chance of moving them, they will move a mile for a, a thousand personally written emails like that. That's amazing. Um, if the worship team can come, we've come to the end of our, of our time together. But David, could you pray for us as a church family? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, and we love, we love all the different people in our church family. I was telling David, our, our family, our, our nanny in Italy that was with us for eight years, eight loving, wonderful years during a, an election in Italy, uh, she voted communist. And uh, we were just flabbergasted. We thought, how, 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 did, how did you do that? Yeah. But at the same time, she was looking Amen. at us like, Amen. how could you not be communist? Right. I thought you were a Christian. You know, it was like, <laughs> so uh, there, we, we want to always um, stay together and stay united in the love of God. This has been so helpful, David. Could mm. you please pray for our church? Yeah. And especially in this year that we ramp it up as far as our voice. Yeah, love to. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I just give you praise and glory and thanks so much for pastors that are interested in leading us into deeper understanding on how to be influential, to fulfill the mandate of the voice of the church to society. I just so appreciate that. Thank you for that boldness. I pray that that would be multiplied in congregations throughout Australia. But Lord, for us and for every congregation in Australia, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom so that we would know how to walk in love and unity while having sometimes difficult conversations about existing theology issues that, that uh, are sometimes controversial, but even more so to dispel the myth that people with the Spirit of God and the Word of life and eternal truth should somehow be silent or refrain from our influence in society. I pray that you would give each one of us the, the confidence and the compassion to be engaged in the public square in whatever capacity we have. And I pray that through your grace and uh, teaching of the Holy Spirit, that that capacity would increase and that the fruit and the outcome of this growth and maturity in you as a people of God would be justice for our neighbours, peace for our neighbours, and that Australia would be a nation that is just, a sheep nation that stands above showing and illuminating the way to God uh, and that the kingdom of God would be multiplied in this land. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'd like you to pray one other prayer. Um, if you've never been born again, never had the opportunity to know Jesus, or perhaps you want to come back to the Lord after just losing your way mm. for some time. I'd like David to just pray a prayer for you as well. His primary interest is kingdom. Absolutely. And so I'd like you just to pray for these people and also people that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Can you just pray a prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I uh, just thank you for your word, which is a light unto our feet, a light illuminating the path that we should walk, that in an age where truth is being discarded and redefined and reinvented and until it's unrecognizable and nothing but a lie, I thank you that your word stands true 
and eternal and is a, a lighthouse in the stormy sea to keep us away from the rocks and to keep us safe and to lead us home. I thank you that salvation is your promise in the word and that your word has said if we simply confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that's it. There's nothing that it requires a qualification or an effort, but you will be saved with that alone. And so for, for those that are here right now that need to have some light in their lives, to need to trust someone else to show them where they're going, that that would be the prayer of their heart right now, that Jesus, you are my Lord. I will follow you. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I thank you for welcoming me into your family the community of believers and eternal life. Amen. Amen. Lord, I also pray for those people who uh, just need to recommit that, that they would just know that their salvation is assured, that uh, as, as far as it never required anything from them to be saved, it never was within their power to take themselves out of the palm of your hand, that you still hold them and, and are only one step behind when they turn around and just re-embrace you again. And for your Holy Spirit, we thank you for that promise, which is to, in addition to the indwelling of the Spirit of God, to be an overflowing saturation, fullness and empowerment to live our lives uh, and to live the witness and to live the call that God has given us. To, to have the gift of a heavenly language, to, to pray, uh, pray prayers that are beyond our, our mind's ability to comprehend, but yet our spirit is fully alive with you with salvation. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may be uh, better witnesses, better missionaries for you, better agents of your agenda here on earth. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.